Music, a force that heals, strengthens, unites, and motivates. It saves us, and it makes us, and no one knows this more than the fan. We wear it like armor, we soundtrack our lives to it, and we open doors with it. But most of the time, our stories go untold. I'm Becca Lee, and this is a podcast for anyone who has ever loved a band more than anything. We are believers, and believers never die. So on today's episode, we'll be talking to my best friend Anna, she they, who is a writer and honestly the coolest person I've ever met. Um, We'll be touching on several different topics and honestly just generally having a conversation about music and our journeys to where we are now and also a little bit about moshing and how much we don't like to do it. In saying that though, I would just like to point out that we recorded this before the whole Astro World tragedy, so bear that in mind. Um, but even in this, we discuss how dangerous it is and how kind of unfun it can be. However, when you actually have some culture around moshing, there is a mosh culture somewhere. It's far more safe than a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing. But Anna and I do come from the scene where that kind of thing is more normalized, so we do know our limits. We were just discussing kind of a time where we didn't and how we learned our lessons. Um, But anyway, as I said, this was recorded before. We mean no disrespect, and the severity of that situation just proves that a lot needs to be changed in a lot of ways. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this chatty little episode. I guess the first thing, because it's just like, what is the first... Because I wanted to start from like kind of like in chronological order for everybody. Like, what was the first like music you got into? The first thing you were a fan of, and then just mm-hmm. kind of like go through that. Mm-hmm. So wherever you your journey might have began, mine began with MCR when I was like negative five years old. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think I have like a couple different starting point because I have a couple different like um, levels of investment in different bands like I think maybe the first time I really got investigated like invested in exploring new music was in middle school so up until middle school I kind of just listened to whatever my mom listened to mostly a lot of Tom Petty and things like that and then the radio and then whatever my classmates were listening to like Miss Avril Lavigne love you but I wasn't like exploring musicians myself so I think it was in middle school when that started happening the rise of YouTube and being able to like find things and one band that I did not really get super invested in them but were kind of like a gateway for me was the All-American Rejects we love but I started there I feel like and kind of branched into other things and I had I'd heard Fall Out Boy before just from like a CD one of my friends burned me and so I had known them, but I didn't get into, into them until a lot later. So I think my first real starting point was the All-American, All-American Rejects, which we love. Um, and then I think the first band that I really got invested in was the Black Veil Brides, which <laughs> honestly, I think iconic of me. They had a very strong look. And I think a thing about bands that I get really invested in is that they have a, like, more than just a musical presence, they have a bit of, like, uh, other artistic presences. So with Black Veil Brides, they had, like, costuming, basically, and big hair and face paint. And that was probably, like, eighth grade. And I was really into them from then until like maybe sophomore year of high school. And 
I would watch videos with Andy Biersack, who at that point, when I started listening to them, was still going by Andy Six. And that's kind of, I think, how I kind of got into the fandom of music also. So watching interviews and watching just random things that he posted on the internet (laughs) before even they had their first full-length album out. I guess the next thing would be like when you started actually being part of a fandom like Mm -hmm. with with them (laughs) I think it's so weird that we ended up in the same place but I I started I started with like the Jonas Brothers which is like (laughs) so much worse like in the I liked I liked the Jonas Brothers but I was never like super invest like I was invested in that like I was like oh I'm in love with Joe and that sort of thing but I didn't I didn't like know anything about them the only thing I knew about them was like what they said on Disney Channel or something like that and I really loved their cover of year 3000 that had a whole separate segue of me getting into busted for like 30 seconds because I was like (laughs) wait this song is so good maybe these are like I don't know I don't know what origin that goes into but I liked them but I was never in like the Jonas Brothers fandom I guess fandom do we have to put Jonas Brothers in fandom it was for me it was my first ever like true like hyper fixation on anything I think I talked to people about them so much that like no people would avoid me because they're scared I was going to talk to them about the Jonas Brothers it was so bad have you met our lord and savior the Jonas Brothers (laughs) they were all over my walls I think my parents know know more about them than like (laughs) the average teen at that time like it was really bad that is so funny but see, that makes sense with your progression from like the Jonas Brothers to One Direction and things like that. I'm like, because I kind of hopped in terms of like fandom and like investment in the people in bands because I had other favorite musicians, but I was not necessarily invested in the people who were in the bands. Is that I, so I went from Black Veil Brides and I think the next one was literally One Direction also. And so that feels like, kind of a larger leap there like they have but that's the interesting thing is that they kind of have like a they have an orchestration to them also because One Direction obviously was you know pushed together they weren't an organically formed band and let me draw parallels to Black Veil Brides um Black Veil Brides like to my knowledge they were more organically formed I don't remember all that much information about them but they had that theatricality to them that had like additional orchestration in terms of um presentation so one direction with like each carefully curated look for each boy kind of has a parallel there which is maybe a little bit of where my interest was in terms of that but yeah, I got super into One Direction. I guess sophomore year of co- uh, college, no, high school. Sophomore year of high school, 10th grade. And that was the first concert I went to. And also the last concert I went to until I was 18 because my parents did not super, were not super enthused about um, letting us do those things at the time. But uh, loved that, loved them. And pretty easily transitioned from One Direction to five seconds of summer who I got into maybe junior year of high school or senior year something along those lines and I that was also I maybe the first band that I was buying a lot of things for because I really liked One Direction but by the time I was at the end of my high school career I finally kind of had more access to my own money so I could buy things and at that point, I was like significantly more invested in Five Seconds of Summer. So I had like, I was buying their CDs and like the EP that they had made years before and things like that. So that kind of had a similar energy 
to One Direction because they had, or they were going to tour together. They were friends at that point or something. And then they later toured together. But so, yeah, those were the, those are the two big ones in high school. I had which, the weird, like, um, I also obviously had the One Direction into Fire Sauce thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my, I think I probably got into them after after you because I got I was into One Direction for a really long time like Mm -hmm. from end of 2011 until I mean Mm -hmm. they broke up or whatever one of us is actually Mm -hmm. breaking up right now who knows but anyway I had the same kind of transition between One Direction to Five Sauce but it went a lot slower because I was into Five Sauce for like probably a year and a half just super super into them and Mm -hmm. then I I believe I'm pretty sure this was prompted by um what is that song the one that's just sugar we're going down that it that they they released I forget what it's called social casualty (laughs) I forgot (laughs) about that song yeah mm -hmm. and I was like until they released that song you were super into them (laughs) yeah that made me stop now um I I really was like, wait, Fallout Boy, because I was really into, like I said, my first musical discovery on my own, sort of, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say, was MCR. Like my cousins, mm-hmm. um, would they would always have random music. They also had like a bunch of like All American Reject CDs and stuff like that. But they were play- they had the Black Parade and were playing it. And for mm-hmm. some reason, that was just like I have to, I have to have this. And then that when like my birthday rolled around in 2007, mm-hmm. it was released in like October of 2006. And then mm-hmm. my birthday in June, they got me the CD and I wore, I think that's the only CD I've ever truly worn out. Like my CD player <laughs> destroyed it. And I, then I got into fallout boy cause I had, um, court tree and infinity on high. <laughs> and then I went from that to, full-blown Jonas Brothers and that's when I got I started having more internet access and I was like Jonas yes. Brothers funny compli- funny moments compilation whatever <laughs> compilation videos yeah. 10 lols but okay so that's interesting because I kind of did a similar thing where like I said I knew about Fall Out Boy before I kind of got into some of these other bands but I didn't really delve into them yet so in the summer after fourth grade, I think my best friend at the time sent me like a like a mixtape CD, which had "Thanks for the Memories" on it, and I was I wish I could say I was immediately sold, which I was not, but I was like, okay, mm, okay, maybe. But I like some of the other songs on there better. I think there was like "Good Charlotte" and I don't know some other people. The Great Escape was on it. I know that that song um which I loved but I kind of did not explore Fall Out Boy for a while and of that so there is of course the Trinity and I know that you did not subscribe to the Trinity because you were never into Panic at the Disco really but there is that quote emo Trinity which again you can argue whether or not it is even emo but we are not going into that if we are going with this, you have Fall Out Boy, you have Panic! The Disco, and you have My Chemical Romance. And so of that trinity, My Chemical Romance was the one that I got into first also, like actually listening to all of their albums that they had out and really exploring things. And I didn't really get into them in the same way as some of these other bands that I mentioned, you know, One Direction or whatever, trying to like learn a little bit about who they are as people but I was very into the aesthetics and the music and I remember the definitely the first My Chemical Romance song I heard was The Ghost of You I saw the music video on YouTube I th- it must have been I like very distinctly remember watching it and being like oh my gosh what is this and like that kind of like changed my life a little bit I think but And then it didn't, listening to those bands didn't fade away, but I got more invested in in some of the other bands. 
and they kind of circled back in high school. I got really into Panic at the Disco sophomore year also. So around the same time, I was getting really into One Direction. But um, we listened to them a lot in my art class in high school because we got to pick the music and that is the music that we picked. <laughs> um, but, you know, Vices and Virtues and then I was listening to My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy was on hiatus at that point. So I think by the time I really got invested in Fall Out Boy, I think that they were on hiatus. They, when was that? Like 2009? Something yeah, like that, maybe? Yeah, into, like into 2009. I don't remember exactly when they, went, when they went on hiatus for some reason. Like I just, you'd think I would. like but, that. It was yeah. Fully came out in 2008, right? So some, and then they it was did somewhere that it was after Fully before. came out. Yeah, I think it was just the yeah. end of 2009. And then, so I was really into Fall Out Boy when they were pretty much like totally inactive really and then I think junior year of high school Fall Out Boy came back together and my my chemical romance broke up that was the same year I think or with it was like know, a month apart or together. something yeah and I was like a extremely heartbroken that my chemical romance broke up still kind of heartbroken about that to be honest haven't gotten to see their reunion tour yet. When will it happen? We don't know. But I was very heartbroken about that because I was hoping that when I had a little bit more freedom, maybe when I graduated, I could go see one of their shows. But then obviously that did not happen. But Fall Boy did get back together, which I personally love Save Rock and Roll, Same. which was perhaps a controversial opinion at that time, at least from a few classmates that I had. I remember someone complaining about it in my AP US history class when we just like between class periods. And in my mind, I was like, no, no, no. This is an amazing album and I'm very obsessed with them again. So that was fun that I got. That was, so that was the first album that came out when I was really into Fall Out Boy. And I got to see them a couple years later when I was in college, I got to see them live and I got to see Panic the Disco at the same place live around the same time, but still have not seen my chemical romance as stated, but yeah. it took me longer to get back but, into them. Cause I, I was really excited into, into my chemical romance or follow boy, follow boy, because I, I got into the Jonas brothers and then I went, right. I had like a big, like twilight phase as did most mm. people during like sixth and seventh grade and then mm. I went I went into like one direction um mm. I missed the twilight phase I was never into twilight I wish I, I still did. haven't seen so any, I still haven't seen any of the twilight movies which is honestly you know I should a shame They're but terrible. it's funny how the twilight how twilight connects to my chem yeah the kind of everything connects to my chemical Everything romance somehow <laughs> in my life in anyway, my life it does at least in but, my um, life it does but I told because I told you remember like freshman year of college I took like a freshman seminar about fashion and rock music and well, it was kind of music in general but mostly rock I guess um I know we did talk about Lady Gaga at one point though but I did like my final project on my chemical romance. So me 18 standing in front of this group of other people, uh, other freshmen. And I was just like, let me talk about my love for my chem and their outfits for like, I don't know, whatever, five to 10 minutes. And I loved my presentation personally they had so many iconic outfits. I know I did the bulletproof vest. I know I did the time Gerard wore that like boa and like obviously the danger days looks iconic. And I remember talking about, I don't remember exactly what the story was, but there was like, Gerard was like covered in blood and it was like, they were like, it's fake blood, but also he had like cut himself on something. So there was like maybe some real blood mixed in also. And I remember explaining this to my class and just like the look of shock and horror on some girl's face was just like, 
it brought me joy to be perfectly honest but I thought it was because I thought it was so funny I was like yes do we not all simply dance on the stage in fake blood and maybe have cut ourselves on you know an errant string or whatever it was and also be bleeding is that not normal life for everyone but (laughs) I yes that class was super fun but I think that's what I was saying at the beginning, you know, about Black Veil Brides, how that kind of connects, you know, the really elaborate costuming was one thing that I really loved about my chem because just like the very distinct eras with, you know, Black Parade had a very distinct look, Danger Days had a very distinct look. I guess Bullets kind of had its own look also. But I think those the, those two have are kind of more obvious the later two. But uh, Danger Days especially was one that I was super into with the bright comic book colors and very much a a story and an arc being told there, which I, I was very invested in. Because I. Was still, I kind of maintained a certain level of being into MCR throughout everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Fall mm-hmm. Away, I was kind of like, I love Pete Wentz. That was my, like, I, in like sixth grade, <laughs> I dyed my hair red, like a stripe of red in my hair to look like Oh my like gosh. But I, like, never would have been it. allowed at my school. Yeah. Well, I got in trouble for it, but I hid it. Like I hid mm-hmm. it, liking them from my parents because my parents were really weird about like, darker music they were totally fine with mcr for some reason but i guess it was just hmm, the way that he was in the news all the time and the way he behaved or whatever oh yeah the they kind of scandalous. So, so i literally they were like yeah i still have them i found them but i had like a bunch of like tiger beat j14 posters that had Ooh, like jonas tabloid. brothers and stuff and yeah yeah i would i would literally some of them would have pete on the back of them and mm-hmm. i would like have the whoever was on the back side of it up but I would flip mm-hmm. it up because I didn't want my parents to know that I liked it. <laughs> I, didn't want I remember know. my parents would not buy or like like they wouldn't buy those magazines you know for us at the store or whatever so when my mom went grocery shopping my sisters and I would sit on the floor in Kroger or wherever and just buy the magazines and we would just read whatever you said like j14 and tiger beat and stuff like that on the ground to do those quizzes and stuff which i loved i yeah that was definitely honestly that probably influenced my music taste but i don't remember what was in them particularly well back then that was definitely like middle school when it was a very mixed bag grocery store with them it would be half like green day mcr fall uh-huh. boy and then it would just be like a metric shit ton of like zach efron and like i don't know <laughs> the jonas brothers basically. what's up in the high school musical world yeah it was like very i don't know it, it was a lot a lot of stuff that didn't make it a lot of sense to be put all in one magazine but i guess they were appealing to like all the teen demographic even if they were yeah i think it was kind of the whole teen the whole teen era anyone who's 14 you can read J14, yeah, but I, only for that year. <laughs> it's super strange to me, though, because, like, this was, like, 2007, probably, around mm-hmm. that time for me. And, like, in 2007, Pete was, like, 28. Billy Joe Armstrong mm-hmm. was, like, fully in his 30s. And they were, like, in these teen <laughs> magazines. In the same thing. Like, yeah. Why? very weird I could not explain that to you but for sure informed something in me I'm sure but (laughs) it's uh that did something to me can't explain what but something but yeah I was like kind of consistently into MCR and then I remember in like 2010 or whatever year it was that they announced the tour dates for Danger Days it might have been 2011 mm-hmm. when they announced it. Whenever they announced the tour dates for Danger Days, I asked mm-hmm. my mom if I could go. And I think I've told you this before, but she was like, you can go next tour. It's'll be fine. Devastating. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Okay, let's just okay, can let's skip ahead to pretty recently because that is the worst that is the worst advice. Yeah. 
to give because you might not see them. Yeah. And aside from this like pandemic being horrible, because I'm like, oh, there were so many people that I was I had tickets to see already to see during the pandemic that didn't happen. But like I wanted to see Frightened Rabbit. So context, Frightened Rabbit, my favorite band. And I wanted to see them back in 2016 when they played the Shaky Knees Festival. And I couldn't convince anyone to go with me. And so I didn't go, obviously, because even though I was in college then, my parents would have been absolutely horrified if I went to a festival by myself, which is kind of fair, because I don't think I'd been to a festival at that point yet. So I didn't go. And then they toured maybe the next year or the fall of that year. And I, they were opening for, oh, who sings, oh gosh, Broken Social Scene. They were opening for Broken Social Scene. And I was like, you know, I don't have a car. I will have to beg a friend to take me to a concert. And I was kind of already doing that for some other shows and I was so I was like they're just opening I will see them some other time mistake I think that was that was probably my junior year of college or my senior year of college then and you know they had other tours scheduled after that but not really ones that I could go to and then after I graduated 2018 you know Scott passed away in 2018 and so I just never got to see them and so go see your faves live ASAP as soon as no as soon as pandemic ends A-S-A-P-E as soon as pandemic ends because it's just devastating to not get to see them and to know you'll you'll never get to see them so for sure also they have live recording before i forget yeah uh before i forget how i need like the how you got from like one direction all the way to frightened rabbit (laughs) (laughs) okay so let's see so i kind of go one direction five sauce in high school and I kind of stay a little bit into One Direction into the beginning of college, but I'm not really listening to them that much. And then I kind of get back into One Direction when four comes out, a little after four comes, no. Whatever their last album was, when their last album came out, I started listening to four because I hadn't <laughs> listened to it. Is that how it worked? Yeah, four then Made so, in the So yeah, when Made in the AM came out, I think it's around when I got into four because I kind of had drifted away from One Direction, but I didn't, I didn't really like Made in the AM. So I went back to four, which I hadn't gotten into until then. But so underneath all of that kind of boy band, which I don't know if you want to call Five Sauce a boy band, but they're kind of more boy band than some of the other things I was listening to. Underneath that current, like I said, My Chemical Romance, Panther Disco, Fall Out Boy, listening to those was really, really into my chem in freshman year of college, like the ultimate resurgence of my chem love. And then I started kind of branching into other genres more. I was already in high school. I was listening to a lot of Warped Tour bands, you know, like the main Mayday Parade, things that you would hear there. And I did see there because I went to Warped Tour three times. But I was also listening to things like The Antlers. I was really into Hospice by The Antlers, which is a beautiful, excruciatingly depressing album. And um, like Rise Against. And I was listening to The Spill Canvas, One Fell Swoop, that album. So I was kind of, I had other things mixing in and then kind of really started exploring more things on Spotify because I think that's around the time I got a premium Spotify account which no endorsement necessarily but (laughs) they everyone needs to treat artists better and pay them better but 
it was very useful for me because really I had only been listening to music on YouTube. Basically I was not, I had an iPod shuffle. Like I did not have anything more advanced than an iPod shuffle until college when I got an iPhone. And so I would, had been listening to music on YouTube and it was much easier to find new things on Spotify for me, at least, especially once I had premium. And then also I had joined the, like my university's paper and I started writing about music for them. And in writing for music about them, starting maybe I think sophomore year of college semester, I was doing mostly album reviews. So I had kind of a system set up where I wrote, I think maybe an album review every week or maybe one every two weeks. And so in order to do that, I just had to listen to whatever was coming out. You know, I wasn't giving preferential treatment to artists I already knew because who knows on any given week what's even happening. So I kind of ended up listening to a bunch of people that I had never heard of before. And in the process of doing that, I came across Frightened Rabbit. So their album, Painting of a Panic Attack, came out, um, oh, what year was that? 2015, 2016, probably? 2016, yeah. Um, so before that had come out, I tended to plan my album releases, my album reviews, um, you know, maybe a couple months in advance even, cause I, well, like I was looking to see what was coming out on those lists of albums that are, you know, what's next, what's new, what's happening. So that I would kind of have an idea because I wanted to listen to some of that, the artists so that I didn't have to review music that I knew I was already going to dislike or assumed I would dislike. So I was still kind of aiming for a certain sound that I enjoyed and had like a, a, a niche I was looking for. And so while doing that, I found Frightened Rabbit because they were releasing that album, like I said. And so I don't know what the first song I listened to them by them was, but it's probable that it was The Woodpile. I think that's one of their most beloved songs, one of their most popular songs, and certainly one that I love a lot. It is off um, Death Stream Verse. And I ended up, again, within the class music projects, I ended up doing a project on that one a couple of years later for my senior year, um, a music class that I was taking. I did a project on that song, but just a gorgeous album, Pedestrian Verses, I think. Scott called it their best album and it's definitely one that you can listen to front to back which for me is kind of rare I'm fairly picky about things that I regularly listen to all the way through I have a tendency just to pick out you know a song here or there and I don't listen to a ton of albums all the way through um, more than once at least so that was a key song for me, just listening to while studying in college and working and things like that. And then when Painting of a Panic, Panic Attack came out, you know, I'm kind of afraid to reread the review I wrote for it. I'm like, I'm better off not knowing what I said <laughs> because I don't, I don't remember, like, I, I know that I liked it, but I don't know if I was like neutral positive or if I was like positive positive and I'm like frankly that's not for me to know anymore <laughs> that's none of my business at this point but I definitely um have some regrets about that album in that because it was you know it was the first album and the last album I guess that came out when I was a fan of them I had considered buying the signed like vinyl for it and I didn't because my uh my dad's record player which is the one I was using or would be using was broken and of course naturally the, my own record player currently is broken and that doesn't stop me from buying vinyl anymore but <laughs> at that point in time being a broke college kid I was like you know there's no point because I can't play it on anything so why even buy this and I wasn't I'm not really a collector 
I only really buy vinyl that I already have listened to the album like a million times and I just want it in a, another experience or I want to be able to just play like, hold it. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to buy it. I don't need it. It's kind of expensive to buy vinyl. And uh, obviously, obviously, I so wish that I had that I had bought the, the signed version. So a big bummer there, but I do, I have um, the repress of Winter Mixed Drinks on vinyl and I have the EP that they released because they released an EP after Painting of a Panic Attack. Um, and I have Roadless that on vinyl, but not signed. Sorry, what? The Roadless one or? Yeah, the one that Roadless is on, which I don't ever, I don't know what that's called, but. Yeah, I, mm, I also don't, I should. What it, let me, let me look just real quick. <laughs> um, it's just called recorded songs. Okay. Oh, that's right. So I guess that's, that's right, why, yeah. that's why it doesn't stick in my head, I guess, probably, because it's not like a name name, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, but speaking of winter mixed drinks, that is like, dare I say my favorite album by them. Because uh, I think I think most fans will agree that Pedestrian Verse is like objectively the best album. Like it, and it, I think it, you know, it is. It's a, like a perfect album in my eyes. However, I really, really love Winter Mixed Drinks, and I know that the band thinks that it was like overproduced. So you know, it was their second album. And they really like upped the amount of production that they did on it. So it has a significantly like less live band in a room sound than the Midnight Organ Fight does. But I really love it. And that's another album that I can listen to, you know, front to back. So go Fire Rabbit for having <laughs> two, song two albums that I listen to all the way through. But actually, wait, no, I just said that that was their second album, but it's not their second album because Sing the Grays or whatever came out first. That was like their first official album, wasn't it? I'm the one that should and know this. I'm so, so this bad like at remembering things. So <laughs> I'm so bad at chronology also. I'm like, I totally forgot about Sing the Grays for a second there. But that's a, okay. Another one that I should have bought though, because they had an orange, they had an orange vinyl. And there was still some in stock when I like, at the point that I had become a fan, you know, and that had come out like years before and I still didn't buy it and I should have, but whatever. I think everyone will forgive me. Yeah. So, but yeah, Sing the Grace came out first, but so their third album, I guess. But still, yeah. point stands. They thought it was overproduced. I do not. I really love it. I Honestly, parts of it, I would say I like better than Pedestrian Verse because I think the, um, like they have like interlude, they have interlude tracks on some of them. And uh, I like, well, I'm like reevaluating my, all of my life choices now. I'm like, actually, I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe actually I do like the interlude, the interludes better on Pedestrian Verse. So, Never mind. But I do think that they're both perfect albums. I love them both deeply. But yeah. I guess the other question that I would have, because for really the point of overall overarching point is like, what mm -hmm. has being in these in into these bands and being a fan, what has it done for you and your life and your career? Like what is like the it's the practical impact and the emotional impact for you. So I think still talking about Fred Rabbit for a second there. Um, I think one thing that happened was after Scott passed away, I joined a Facebook group for like Fred Rabbit fans. And I don't use Facebook ever really for anything, but I wanted I guess a kind of solace that I couldn't find anywhere else and I wanted to 
be able to interact with more Frightened Rabbit fans, I guess. And so I joined this Facebook group that was a really nice thing to have for maybe like even the rest of that year um, because it like had such a strong impact on me and everyone else in that group. Um, so I'm still in it. I don't actively post really, and I never have super been active in it, but I like to read everyone's things. And it's so nice to have that community, even of people who met Scott and, or just saw their shows and have random live, um, videos or pictures and things of the concerts, which is something that I like to go back to and was a really, um, nice thing to have at that time and is kind of like the whole group has kind of um they made like a, a bench dedicated to Scott and I think maybe there was another monument I don't know if that one got finished kind of like a or memorial sort of thing for Scott that they have in a, a park in Scotland which I would love to visit and I hope to visit at some point. So that's a little bit of an impact in just like the travel world, um, you know, getting to go see that and kind of visit those places just for the beauty, but also for the, you know, emotional musical connection, which I have there. And then, yeah, so like I said, I worked for my college paper writing about music and I did some internships and stuff doing music related things. And, you know, pre-pandemic was doing some, was still doing some writing journalism for music live shows mostly. So that is kind of a direction that I'm still considering for like a career, um, either doing music journalism or working for some sort of you know PR place or something related to music because I think that is such like an important part of my life that it would be a nice thing to have kind of ever present which I know sometimes you know mixing work with things that you love can turn out kind of um, bad or can kind of go awry but it's something that I'm interested in in trying and then of course I met you and I met a lot of our friends through music and through liking similar bands. And I didn't even talk about Catfish, which is how we met. But, you know, I think that shows offer like a unique opportunity to meet people, even if you don't stay friends for a long time, you kind of have like a new friend for the night or a new friend for the weekend if you're going to a festival or something like that, which I think is a really special experience that you all, you know, have been impacted so deeply by bands that you want to see them live and that you want to talk to strangers about them because you care about them so much and you care about their music so much. So I think that's something really special that, you know, you wouldn't get if you weren't invested in it so much. So. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, I think that's why I wanted to do this in the way that I did because it's like I think there's just like this kind of like over celebration of a bunch of band dudes with a lot of like I don't know you just get called a groupie or like an annoying fan or whatever but I honestly think mm -hmm. the best part about music is the fan like it's like not because I'm like Tuesday I have that bleacher show and I'm considering not even going because it's like one pandemic but two I'm going alone and it's just kind of like yeah I what's the think point? <laughs> yeah so that's the funny thing is that so I skipped going to music midtown this year because pandemic and festivals seem a little too scary still which is really sad because they used to be like a heart fluttering nervous fun type of thing and now it's a heart fluttering fear sort of thing and it was just not a risk that I was really feeling like I could take this year. But I do like to go to shows alone. And I think that it's fun a lot of times. It's not fun all the time. But I kind of got in the habit of going to shows alone when I was writing 
the paper in college because I was reviewing live shows. And so I would, you know, have a press pass and I would just go by myself or sometimes with the photographer who worked for the paper and they would drift off to go take pictures, you know, from the balcony or from other angles. And I would just kind of be with the crowd. It's just kind of like feeling what the room was feeling, which was fun. A lot of times I went for bands that I only kind of vaguely knew. I knew because I had, you know, maybe written about them before I had done an interview with them before, before they came to town or I just, it was going to be, you know, a popular show in town that maybe people would want to have covered. And so I would only maybe know a few songs, but I would go and I would just, it would be so fun to see how invested people were in a band that I barely knew anything about. And I think that that was a super, like, joyful experience. Like, just, I had my own bubble of, you know, musicians I cared about and that I wanted to see and that, you know, I would go drive to see or I would do things like that. And then to have people come see a band or maybe they came to drive to see this band, you know, uh, was really cool because you see all these like other bubbles that are maybe adjacent to you that you wouldn't experience otherwise. So I think it's, I think it's fun. I think it's fun to go with friends because you have people you can sing along with and act stupid with, and that's always fun. And I think it's fun to go alone because I would rather, oftentimes I think I would rather go alone than feel like I'm that fear of missing out, I guess, but than to not have that experience. Obviously, you have to take some things in consideration. I've skipped a lot of work the next day or some life got in the way. But if I can go, then I I try to go. I'm thinking about it, but I'm just like, I I think it's really like the, I haven't seen anyone (laughs) in like over a year and so long. And so it's like, yeah. why do I want to go the- somewhere with a bunch of people when I don't even get to enjoy the people? Like I right, that was a kind of also with what I was thinking with music in town because I would be going alone to a festival and being surrounded by people I didn't know and was kind of you know afraid to be around. Yeah, because it's like if I'm gonna go expose to- myself, at least I could be around people I'd want to be around, not just a bunch of like idiots. Yeah. At- the nice thing about festivals, I guess, is yeah. like the outdoors. But if you're crushed in the pit, then it- outdoors is not gonna help. Yeah, but what was your last concert before the pandemic started? Was it Coin? I think it was Coin, and then oh, I was no. I went to go see Coin again because I saw Coin in October. Oh, with me? Yeah, and then I was supposed to go because they tour always. We were to go in March. Yeah, and I I went in October because I saw Hippo, and then like two days later or something, two or three days later, I went and saw Coin, and that was in October, mm-hmm. and then. I was supposed to go see Coin again in March, and that was when everything shut down. When it got so canceled, it was, yeah. It was for sure. They played sure their last show in Florida, and they canceled our show, which yeah. was good. I I mean, we weren't planning to go to it at that point because it seemed yeah. too risky. We just hung but, out. So instead. it's been like almost two, yeah. It's been almost two years for you then. Yeah. So my last show before the pandemic, at the end of February slash very beginning of March, maybe, I saw Tyler Lyle and then I saw Dermot Kennedy and I believe I saw Dermot Kennedy last. Um, Tyler Lyle was like a beautiful like acoustic show that was super fun. Dermot Kennedy honestly was not the best show to end on (laughs) before the (laughs) pandemic. I there was I did not I did not think that it was going to be as passive it was sold out but it was so crowded and I was like next to an extremely drunk group of what I want to say were probably ex-frat boys and that they were too old to be frat boys but at one point had been in frat boys when they were in college they were probably like a year older than me or two years older than me um at the time and I was just like stuck between them and like a pole and it was <laughs> not a great it was not a great experience um better than no experience I guess now that I'm here enduring a drought of concerts but um 
he was a great performer though. Dermot was a great performer. And I, it's, I had kind of gotten into him like a while, a while before, like several years before his album came out, he had had, you know, a handful of EPs and songs released. And so I was kind of coming from that perspective of, oh, I've been listening to him since whatever, 2017, 2018. Um, this is not gonna be that crowded of a show, even though it was like a fairly, I mean, it was like a, maybe like a mid-sized venue, like a thousand or a little bit, thousand, two thousand, something like that. I don't know. I actually don't know how big it was. I'm just guessing, but something like that. And it was so full. I was just, I was shocked, which I was, you know, good for him, of course. But I was just, I had been kind of stuck in my mindset of when people did not know who he was and I was operating from that point of view. And I was very surprised when it was so crowded and you know that's kind of what we're saying like I think the crowd can really dictate how your show goes and so I think insert meeting abuse in the coin pit every time yeah it it being so crowded was such like such a good opportunity for to be a really fun show to go to alone because I went alone and so a lot of times those ones are really fun because you can kind of just like mesh in with everyone else. But I think two problems were, A, I got kind of stuck against a pole. So there was not a lot of movement room. So I couldn't really navigate elsewhere. And it was really packed. So no one wanted to like somewhere more comfortable. And um, then also he kind of has like, it's not a lot of like fast songs. So there's less movement in the crowd kind of generally, I think there's not as much, quite as much like jumping and stuff, which kind of lets you wiggle your way through um, more. So I think it would have been maybe an easier experience to go to alone if the crowd had been a little, had been hyped up in a different way than it was hyped up. But so that's kind of also another hit of Mr. of going alone is you really, if you're alone, you really need the crowd to be on your side in order to have fun. Because I think with coin, I think, you know, there's often a risk of just getting beat up a bit because they're a little too jumpy sometimes. And sometimes it's nice. I've been to coin alone before and it's nice because you could just jump along with everyone. And it's great. And then sometimes you're in a spot that someone else really wants to be in and they will let you know that they really want to be in that spot by aggressively shoving you, which, you know, I've been in mosh pits and I like being in mosh pits when I want to be in a mosh pit. But if I haven't elected to be in a mosh pit, I don't really want someone throwing elbows at me. I also Um, just don't want to be in a mosh pit for like Malibu 92 or whatever like why <laughs> yeah, are we it's doing this? not quite the music that I want to mosh to if I'm yeah. moshing to be honest but like this is yeah. not a fiddler show this I, is coin this is like Christian white boys what I, are we doing oh my gosh I almost died in the first mosh like the first real mosh pit I was in so like I went to Wharf Tour the summer after my senior year of high school and you know, they have, there are mosh pits at Warped, but I wasn't in any that were super aggressive and I wasn't in like the center of any, especially that were super aggressive. I would, I was kind of in the outer spots and I almost passed out, honestly, the first time I went to Warped for, like I overexerted myself a little bit in the sun uh, with like the very first act that I saw and that wasn't even a mosh pit. But that was like the worst of it for me. And then I went and saw Rise Against um, fall of my freshman year of college or maybe spring of my freshman year of college. And we got there early because the friend that I I went with two friends that lives on my hall in my dorm. And one of them was like way into Rise Against. Like I was into them. I listened to them a lot in high school, but she the way that I was really into some other bands, she was really into them. So we got there early so she could be close. And what did not cross our 18 year old minds was that this was like 
the audience, the demographic for this show was a lot of guys who were large and wanted to mosh, which as someone who had not been, like, I can't speak for the other two. I know that one of them had not been into any, like any sort of aggressive kind of music concerts before. And the one who was a big fan of Rise Against, I think maybe had, but maybe not quite to this degree. I, I don't quite remember, but the opener was like, you know, some variant of like metal screamo something. I don't remember who it was. And the mosh pit for that was pretty intense. And I was like, okay, we survived. We went through the whole opener at like near the front, almost, almost at the barricade and like survived that mosh pit and it was fine. We, so, or so we thought, and then Rise Against came on and like when I tell you that mosh pit just got like 10 times more aggressive like I the terror in the eyes of the <laughs> friend who had not been at like really any shows before and mind you this was maybe like the third concert that I'd ever been to like at all like One Direction Warped Tour Rise Against <laughs> unless you count like one random teeny show that I went to that I don't even remember who played for like a friend's birthday. And so third or fourth show, depending on how you count it, <laughs> we were not prepared for this. And both, both of my friends like kind of dipped out by the end of maybe the first song or the start of the second song <laughs> of Rise Against. And I was like, I waited. We got here early. We left school so early I think I like skipped the end of one of my classes for the day so we could get there early we stopped at like some random mall to eat at so we could eat in the car as we drove to this concert it was like I, it wasn't that far away but still you know like an hour and a half two hours or something and I was like I'm not I'm not leaving the pit I'm not doing it because they went back by the bar at the back of the venue and my goodness if I did not <laughs> eat those words I I lasted maybe two or three more songs in them, I think, but then I dipped after maybe like the third or fourth song in their set because I was just like the circle pit, oh, the, like the whatever opened the, and I was kind of on the edges. We were close enough to the barricade that I could kind of like, because they don't open as like the most close to the barricade because you'd like hit it if you were trying to run in a circle. And... <laughs> So I was kind of just enough on the edge of that, that I was out of it. And then I got pulled in and I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I was like, I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm about <laughs> to die at this concert. And this is where I think also, you know, music community can either fail or it can uplift you. And this guy, don't know who he was you know never seen this man before never will never see this man ever again I don't even remember what he looks like at this point but he could see just like my face absolutely just like stricken like <laughs> I was like I do not want to be in this I was like in the middle of the circle like not moving just like frozen with fear and he like pulled me out of it and I was like oh my like thank you <laughs> and I kind of like I was like, and that's it. And that's when I bowed out. I scooted off the side, but there was like not a lot of room and there was kind of like a fire exit thing. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go back to the back of the venue and hang out with my friends for the rest of the show. But, oh my gosh, what a, what a, a enlightening experience that was. Hi. But then, but the I, thing is, wait, let me just uh, say one more thing, which is that during the opening act, someone tried to start a fight, like a real fight. Like not, oh, we're having a good time. I'm shoving you, you're shoving me thing. But like someone either punched someone or was like threatening to punch someone and they had to like call them out in the crowd. And, you know, you think that that would maybe have triggered a few thoughts in my mind, but, but it did not. And I was like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it anyway. I'm gonna do it anyway. And I admire that persistence in myself, but ultimately futile. But a good effort was made. <laughs> That's, I, I'm terrified. I, I like to be like, I'm going to open up the pit. I'm terrified. No matter what, even at Fiddler, <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. I have to leave. Like, oh even my Abby pulled me in and I was like, I am not doing this. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm terrified. 
what's that TikTok sound that's like, it's a good joke, a great joke even, <laughs> but I'm going to need you to stop. And that's honestly, that really is good. also kind of me with sub pits. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm joking that I'm going to open the pit in this kind of chill song, mm-hmm. but I'm absolutely not. And if yeah. you open the pit, I'm going to be leaving. I'm going to be going to the back and I'm going to be sitting down. And I'm going to be talking to the bartender or something. <laughs> like, I can't do it. And now I have just like a million knee problems. And that is yeah. it was his own adventure. Thank you so much for listening to Believers Never Die. Um, you can find Anna at Teacup Anna on both Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me, as always, at Where's Her Head on Instagram and Twitter. Um, next episode, I will be talking to my friend Trey about Green Day and politics and all that kind of good stuff that comes with liking Green Day. And I will see you next episode.